across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Confirmation yesterday from both the NPA and authorities in the US that the German software company SAP, you may not use their products, but you'll have seen their logo. They'll now pay a fine of 2.2 billion rand. They made payments to companies controlled by the Guptas to get contracts with South African government entities. So Eskim, for example, the NPA says SAPs admitted its officials here would receive a contract from an institution like Eskim or Transnet and then would pay a Gupta-linked company to keep that contract contract, while the Gupta company did no work towards the contract. In other words, it was a bribe. Kaya Zatole is a financial analyst. He joins us now. Kaya, good morning. Good morning and good morning to the listeners. Are we finally getting an understanding of what companies like SAP were doing during the state capture era? It seems, in a way, quite similar to McKinsey or Bain. Yes, I think it is actually a confirmation of what we had heard and we had seen. So there's information that had come through through the Gupta leaks and there's information that we saw being ventilated at the Zonda Commission in that the Guptas did set up this idea of business development agencies who were essentially the middlemen that these companies would have to engage with if they wanted to be secure, to secure this contract at state-owned enterprises. And of course, it was a very lucrative business for them and it required them to do absolutely no work. And that simply means that the costs of executing these contracts was much higher for the South African taxpayer, which was the first problem. The secondary problem, which is the greater tragedy, is that most of these contracts actually delivered no value to any of the state entities that they actually did work for. So it was a double whammy for South Africans. So, I mean, that's a lot like Bain, I suppose, in this case. In other words, um, SAP was getting money for doing something that we didn't need them to do? Yeah, essentially, that was the problem in that all of these particular state-owned enterprises want to be able to get some assistance from these consulting firms. And of course, that means that these consulting firms are supposed to come and assist, build capacity, and obviously enable these entities to perform a bit better. So the first problem is that one always looks back and asks the question of whether these entities were better off after having engaged these consultants. And the answer generally is that no, they were not better off. They simply then have to engage new consultants in order to do the work again. Then the secondary problem is the cost of entering into this contract, which was not only inflated, but also subject to these corrupt elements, which we are currently unraveling through multiple agencies that have coordinated together to actually ask difficult questions from companies like Bain and ABB and now SAP and getting the answers that say, well, actually, not only were we corrupt, but we also failed to deliver value. Um, so our NPA has been working on this for a long time, but SAP in the end, they did. So what happened is that the parent company in Germany thought there was something strange going on here. They came and did an internal investigation and they went, oh, dear. And then they sort of blew the whistle to an extent. But the Gupta leaks blew the whistle before that. The U.S. played a big role in this because of their Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Do you think our, the our NPA would have been able to get justice without the admissions, without SAP and without the U.S. being involved? Unfortunately, the evidence in front of us says that the NPA does have a capacity and a resource issue when it comes to tackling white-collar crimes. So in the absence of the type of confessions that get triggered by the awareness of the U.S., for example, which has some wide-ranging powers to punish these entities, in the absence of those confessions and concessions, it will be very difficult for the NPA to reach the same stage that it has reached now. And as you can see, even from yesterday's press release, it became very clear 
that the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which is a U.S. act, played a fundamental role in getting SAP to be in a position not only to concede that he had done this, but to also um, agree to paying these very punitive penalties. And I think in the absence of that, South Africa would probably have struggled to extract the same concessions from a company like SAP. As I understand the fine, there's a deferred prosecution agreement. SAP has to help the NPA identify and prosecute the individuals who were involved. Do you think individuals are actually going to be prosecuted? Because that's the thing that's lacking in these cases. No, and you will see that the very first thing that SAP keeps emphasizing is that all of those individuals and partners who were fundamental to these practices have left the company more than five years ago. So the very first thing that a company then says, the reason they say that is to say, look, we do not have the capacity to even discipline these people. They're no longer part of us. And of course, if you then want to be able to pursue them, well, you're probably going to have to try and see whether you can find them first and foremost, and more importantly, whether you can link them as individuals to the corrupt practices. So it creates an additional layer of difficulty when those individuals are no longer part of those particular organizations. And we see that being a common threat across all of these entities, the very first thing that they tell you is that we fired all of those people, we've moved on, so perhaps we are a new and a reformed entity, but it does leave a lingering gap in the accountability. Kaya Satole, really appreciate the time. Thank you. Financial and political analyst, as you can hear.